Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am Mary Catherine Ham. We are your morning show for any hour, even happy hour, especially happy hour. I'm here with my co-host, Vic Mattis of The Free Beacon. How are you doing, Vic? You know, we've been doing this show for almost a year. I need to I need to is consolidate. Right? It is October. Yeah. I need to consolidate all of our taglines and just put them in at the beginning of the show every week. Uh, Making the news week slower. It's funny. Un- yeah, that's right. <laughs> Under, underprepared Under, and overcaffeinated. Over <laughs> it's funny because October was around the time I think we launched the substandard, which became the sub beacon six years ago. Oh, my gosh. And people are like, man, I just hope you keep it going. And I say to them, it's not gun smoke. It's not mash. It's like, you know, at some point in time, it's like happy days and people forgot it was well into the 80s. And they all got perms. I know they're yeah, they, they I mean, were all like, old. They're like ah, see they us, have children. Yes, yeah, you know it's just like you It's not no longer the 1950s. It's now 1982, even on the set. I'm doing fine. I I was recently two days ago. I had lunch at the Silver Diner, which I have not been to in a very long time. When did the Silver Diner become a health food place? Oh, it got fancy. What the heck? It got fancy, Vic. I'm looking for like a double cheeseburger with the whole thing, and it was like this small, very light. I got out of there. I wasn't feeling bloaty. It was terrible. It was, it was terrible. a big disappointment. So you know this? <laughs> yes, I do know this. The The breakfast stands. The breakfast still very unhealthy. Okay. It will good. give you all the bloating you yeah, need. Yeah. But yes, there is a, there's an extensive menu. Oh. And the menu is a little she-she. I know. I saw like I day, like want, rice bowls. Yeah, rice I just bowls. want a yeah. diner. I just want a diner. Bob and Edith. That's why I always like Bob yes. and Edith. Give me a chicken fried steak. Yeah. But do you know uh, I, who I had lunch with? I had lunch with uh, two friends of ours plus Fred Barnes. Oh, Our old Fred. friend, the former executive editor of the Weekly Standard, longtime veteran reporter journalist, now semi-retired, but doing some work for me nice. as a book reviewer for the Washington Free Beacon. It was great to see Fred still doing well. He's very zen. He's very calm. You know, so he's not like ah intense like sometimes he used to be when he would march across the hall and getting things, you know. I mean, because he's older now, but very sharp, very thoughtful, and just listens. And then he'll say, oh, I remember this story. And then it'll be an amazing story about the time when he interviewed Ronald Reagan. Love it. And it was great. He says that with Reagan was like the only one who, the president who, when you showed up, he got out of his chair and went over to you when you walked in the door to shake your hand. Oh, that's- as opposed to like sitting Right. You're like, come to me, you know, and said, <laughs> so he would he would come out and Fred asked him. The first question he asked him was about a movie he made. One of the first movies Reagan had made. It was like Reagan and his horse. Shocking. Yeah. And he said Reagan let up and wanted to just talk about the movie. And then his handlers came over and just like, let's move on. We can't, move we on we can't talk else. about it. <laughs> but it was nice to see him. He is I believe he's doing in, in better shape than I am, by the way. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I told him. He's not pre-diabetic? No, I told him. I said, pre-diabetic, my A1Cs. You should have seen the look on his face. It was a, it was a combination of disgust and disappointment. And he's like, <laughs> what, what is that? What, what are you talking about? Because, of course, you know, Fred, he stopped eating meat. You know, he went healthy. And so, in better shape than me. Oh, my goodness. I just goodness. want to say that. But God bless. How are you? I'm good. Steve is still out of town. The Hubs is doing, co- oh, yeah, he's doing co- good recovery work, work there. down in Florida. Uh. Staying at a sort of makeshift camp for folks who are helping out. Uh, not at is, a hotel or anything. No, it's at a... He's not at the Breakers. At a, no, at a minor league baseball field. So they have some facilities, yes. which is nice. Well, I'm sure it's fine by him. He can rough it. It's not <laughs> so he's good. So the, the kids and I are, are hanging. 
the dog is sad because the dog is always sad when when dad is gone. And oh, so you know, it's a little insulting to me, but it's okay. It's all right. It's yeah. Go. What am I, chopped liver? That's what you're saying. <laughs> That's exactly it. And he's like, he's like, actually, really could use some chopped liver. And <laughs> say, I wish. I wish you were. <laughs> so he's just right. moping around the house. I took a, I took a, an item to sell that I had listed on Facebook Market yesterday. Yes. And you know that can get like a little. So this sometimes. is, yeah, now, you know, I mean, I don't, I love to do these things because mm-hmm. I have so many things I want to get rid of, but I don't do eBay or Craigslist. I just never done that. Oh, okay. So this is another so I do, venture I do format. this. Yes. It's the same as these, these other Plan. ones, basically. Whatever. Craigslist and, and Facebook Marketplace are similar. So I've been listing a couple things because we're moving everything around at the house. Mm. And I had, you know, we had some old piece, not old, but a, a, an unopened, like, smartwatch that nobody had ever used so i was gonna sell this and i'm selling it but normally i'm like you know i calculate how safe a situation feels you never know who you're meeting you mean up regarding with. with the buyer yes the yes when you're buyer. meeting up with somebody when you're going yes. to someone's house to buy something what have uh-huh. you generally you're in the clear but sometimes people like to do a public meeting place sure just to keep it good cool i often have my husband around, so I don't worry about it too much. If is someone's he like, coming is to the he house, like sitting at another table, just no, keeping an eye on. No, things? but I'll, I'll drop it in oh. the conversation that oh, like okay. it's not not just me over here, you know. <laughs> and this one, <laughs> I was taking it. So I assume this is a man. Yes. So I'm taking this this watch to someone, and I decided to to double up on the the protection. I I, I went to a public place, <laughs> and I brought the dog with me because <laughs> I was picking him up from doggy daycare, and I was like, you know what? The likelihood that someone messes with you when you have Scout with you, fairly low. And you, this was a public place, like where, like kind of a sh- uh, like in a um, in a grocery store parking. Gro- so oh, okay. which is where I recently bought All something. Right. It's like it's like doing drug deals except for high chairs yeah. and smartphones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's 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 the kind of drug deal what I do. Did this? Per- what was this person like? Lovely. <laughs> Scared? I mean, that's almost terrified. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> this is almost always the case, and Sc- yeah. Scout is very nice as long as I'm telling him to be nice. You know. Yeah, you just have to make a click noise, and it's like once upon a time in Hollywood. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. He has he has an on switch. Yeah. If somebody you know asks you, oh yes, I'd love to purchase your couch. Can you help me move it into my van? And he's wearing a cast. Don't do it. Yeah. Okay. No, don't don't let anybody push into your doorway yeah, put, yes, or push, push you into, into a doorway. That's right. Here, let's turn it around and move it. <laughs> <laughs> Say, are you an extra large? Sorry, that's oh my, my Buffalo Bill impression. So yeah, you gotta, yeah. you gotta, you gotta put your, put your, your guardrails. Yeah, up. yeah, yeah. Good, 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 good. You have good, but you have good, you have good city street sense. I'm yes. sure. Oh, I try. Right. I try. Good. Good. <laughs> you know what? That since since we're talking about Steve helping down in yeah. Florida, that leads me to our Hurricane Ian update. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. From the grocery store to the gas station, working families are getting hammered by rising prices. But instead of focusing on inflation, Congress is pushing anti-innovation legislation that will impose more financial burdens on working people and seniors. Their misguided agenda could cost public pension plans $109 billion. Teachers, firefighters, and nurses would pay the heaviest price. Congress needs to focus on inflation and leave American workers alone. I actually have been surprised how smallish or medium-sized a story this has been this week in the media. Maybe because it's uneventful. Well, I do think some of the 
some of the reports out of Florida about power going on are impressive. They're oh, just sure. straight up impressive. The power has been restored within days to many places. And especially if you live in the D.C. metro area, you know that, for instance, if there's a summer storm inside D.C. proper. Weeks. It could We're be, talking weeks. It could be a week and a half before you get your power back, back on. Next month. So four or five days after a major hurricane is impressive. And that's what people are looking for. They want gas. They want power. They want to be able to use tools to dig themselves out. And a lot of that is what's happening. There has been some questioning of holding off on evacuating Lee County, which ended up being the hardest hit until the day before the hurricane. DeSantis says, look, everybody was camped out in Tampa because everybody thought that it was going to Tampa. And things changed as they do with hurricanes and we changed as needed. So that's the that's the criticism that stands. But now DeSantis and or that has been levied. Now DeSantis and Biden getting together, getting together down in That's Florida right. to, to heal, to heal the All state. All eyes on the two of them, how they would interact. Would they be bellicose? Would they hug? Right. I didn't see any hugging. To go back to the lead up to this moment, by the way, and you were talking about the electricity going up, which is very impressive. Same thing with the gas. And there was a video that went viral of two residents from <laughs> yes. a county. We can't really share the video because it's there's a bit, bit of bits of profanity yes. throughout, but there are two gentlemen, one of whom says he's a Democrat and you know who he's voting for. And he says it's DeSantis because they brought the gasoline to Acadia. That's where they were. And that thing has gone like wildfire. And, the, and then the other thing is, I think there was a moment when the networks were like, oh, you know, perhaps there's going to be some scandal about the mismanagement and the lack of preparedness by Governor DeSantis with regard to the devastation, particularly in Fort Myer Beach, right? And I remember a Chiron, and the Chiron was about questions raised, about growing concern about, gee, about whom? Questions raised about whom? So there was that. And then the other issue was the cone, as you were saying about how its focus was to everybody was worried about Tampa. And then it went in another direction. And PolitiFact got involved in this, I believe, because they said that what, what the Santa said is not really true because, you know, the, the, the cone, while 98 percent of it was going in the direction predicted, as the explained, in another direction north of there. Two percent was in that other county. Yes, the two percent the, the of the cone of uncertainty. That's right. Two percent of the cone of uncertainty. Uh, particularly over this particular island, happens to be uninhabited, but nevertheless, he didn't do his job. Okay, he didn't didn't say that part, but that's implied. But here they are together, Biden, DeSantis, and nothing happened. No, it it seems to have gone smoothly. Also, I would like to congratulate Casey DeSantis, who was standing behind Biden when he did have his, his momentary segue into climate change talk. And she's she's ready to be a presidential candidate's wife and on the trail because that face stayed very, very disciplined. Yes. While he was speaking, she's standing right over his shoulder. And here's, here's Biden real quick. Thank you. Governor's done is pretty remarkable so far. I mean, this is what, what, he's, what he's done. In terms of, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, first of all, the biggest thing the governor's done and some of the others have done, they've recognized this thing called global warming. The world is changing. 
is changing. And we have to change the way with the zoning codes. For example, uh, my the woman who heads up all this, this, this area for me, uh, Liz showed me a picture of the telephone poles we put up. Liz, where, where, where were they? Liz, Liz. Anyway, Liz showed me a picture of the telephone pole we put up in Florida. I'm not sure what, where where were that telephone pole you were showing me? Oh, it was right here, Fort Myers Beach. For Fort Myers Beach. Instead of doing cement poles or wooden poles, we put up steel poles. And guess what? They all were sustained. They all survived. The wires survived, the poles survived, cost more money to put them up, but they survived. We also know we put a lot of this under, like in California. Could you imagine your face if you were standing behind there? Hey, you know what? I have a reputation for not being able to control it. <laughs> you have a great many facial expressions have, it's, it would that be have been colorful. captured. It would be colorful, colorful. Yeah. But he also said, look, I think that's, I don't like people ending the debate. <laughs> from the podium in a disaster area like they maybe this is not the moment for that declaring your your political victory on the issue of climate change based on one hurricane while you're standing in the wake in the path of its pure destruction yeah not as not the thing i would do but he also said that desantis has done a good job and then desantis was on hannity's show on fox news saying i appreciate and thank biden for his support be gracious look at this Look at two seeming adults working together yeah. in an uneventful manner it's to right. fix what is the actual issue, which is that people are really suffering on the ground. And I'm, I'm, we want a competent response. I will, I will say this: keep it, keep it, get civil. People want that. At least some people out there, like us, aren't eager to see him, you know, tussle with with Biden over this. And and the second thing is, I actually wondered. If they could keep it civil, because I wonder if, if, if DeSantis is thinking maybe he's not going to see Biden in 2024 at the rate things are going. Yeah. You know, I mean, that could be a decision Biden makes in 2023. Yes. There was also no comment I see on in the mainstream about Dr. Jill Biden's heels, because I believe, as uh, you know, yes. Melania, she wore stiletto heels to a disaster zone and the media. She was leaving. Crazy. Yes. This was years ago. In leaving the White House, she wore heels, very high heels. To get on stiletto, yes, on the helicopter, and then changed on the way to the actual disaster yeah. zone. Jill Biden wore kitten heels. Conceded they are shorter. No, no up, no uproar about that. I, I will say, for Melania, I'm not sure what the answer was because she also wore Timberlands several times to places where you would wear Something work more. boots, huh? and those were deemed also problematic. Really, so what? What Melania missed was the was the happy medium that is the kitten heel. Apparently, that is <laughs> apparently that's acceptable. That is the disaster heel you know, for a first lady. You know what I liked about Melania's besides Melania the the fashion choice. Sometimes she would wear one of these military jackets, and basically when you you know when you're when you're when you're when you look like Melania, you can wear anything and it looks amazing. But she looked great yeah. in the military jacket. Yeah, okay. she 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 pulled. Yeah. A lot of it off. Yeah, yeah. But did yeah. you enjoy the? Uh, did you enjoy DeSantis standing in front of the presidential seal? <laughs> that funny. And I don't blame the Biden advanced people because what do you take it on, take it, pull it off? You well, know, I think every they're time supposed to, aren't they? Oh, okay. Well, I think they're supposed. <laughs> in that case, okay, you can blame well, them. <laughs> I think they're supposed to because you generally do not see 
a non-president standing, standing behind I guess not. the presidential seal. It'd be kind of weird, though. They're you know they're going back and forth with well, questions. Well, this is what, what I are they do I should have, I should have done some research on this, yeah. but this is what I'm wondering now because you don't you don't generally see mm-hmm. that even though people are no. switching. Yeah. Perhaps in a situation like this, what they normally do is don't have the presidential seal at all, mm-hmm. and so you don't have a you know yes a governor who aspires yeah, to be right. the president perhaps right. standing right. in front of the presidential seal. You know. It, that that was the little partisan moment where a bunch of righties were like, look, he looks so great there. And a bunch of lefties are like, Ugh. he wears white boots. That's the other footwear issue from this week. Have you heard about the white boots? That was one of the one of the criticisms levied this week is that DeSantis wore white like rubber boots out to I'm, Governor DeSantis, not yes. the wife. Yes. <laughs> and they're but they're like, what am I trying to say? Just like rain boots. Like, oh, like mucky boots but they were white which is an odd color that is an odd color (laughs) and so that became a thing but i I don't think it affected the people of florida greatly i think he wore that that color by the way we haven't talked about this and we'll play the clip can you talk just a little bit about the relief efforts obviously of hurricane ian and what the administration has been doing to address the climate crisis in the states but and just a little follow-up because this is important to me we consider the global implications of emissions, right? The poorest countries are affected the most. They contribute the the least and are affected the most. So how should voters in the U.S. feel about the administration's long-term goals when it comes to being an international influencer on this topic? I'm going to unpack that question. (laughs) I'm going to ask you like packed and loaded questions because I've been given a little bit of time. So first of all, part of the future. Um, On the point that you made about disparities, you know, when I was back when I was district attorney of San Francisco, I was elected in 2003, I started one of the first environmental justice units of NEDA's office in the country focused on this issue. And in particular on the disparities, as you have described rightly, which is that it is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and and impacted by by issues that are not of their own making and so we absolutely and so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity understanding that we we fight for equality but we also need to fight for equity understanding not everyone starts out at the same place and if we want people to be in an equal place sometimes we have to take into account those disparities um, and, and do that work. But also, I will say, as a former prosecutor, part of this issue also has to be about enforcement and, and where appropriate, making sure that the bad actors pay a price for what they do that is directly harming communities in terms of their health and well-being. So when we think about policy then, there are many aspects to it, including something that the president and our administration and I are very excited about, which is the opportunity that moving towards a clean energy um, environment and industry, what it will do in terms of job creation and building up our economy. What do you think, as you and I, charter members of the Kamala Harris uh, family, uh, yes, yes. of her comments about equity and climate change funding. Did you look into I this? I did. And it's really interesting, Mary Catherine, because a lot of people in the press and in the White House really pushed back on the suggestion that that's what she was suggesting. When if you listen to it yourself, kind of sounds like she's suggesting that. What do you think? Yeah. So I'm 
I'm going to give myself a you love to hear it because I'm going to stick up for Kamala Harris right. here just a little bit. I do think that she was talking about a broader mm. type of funding. Okay. She was not talking about funding for yeah. the immediate rescue efforts of this hurricane. I know I'm as surprised as you are that I'm saying it. I don't <laughs> I don't think she was talking about that. And that there was conflation of the two. However, it is still stupid to talk about federal funding for larger slush yeah. funds, or excuse me, climate change funds, for larger funds to be doled out based on race is essentially what she's saying. Yeah, well, That's I mean, still I, bad. But, you know, I mean, but this sort of thing has been practiced when it came to the COVID vaccines, as you know, in certain yes. states where certain groups had a priority over other groups. You know, equity first, equity first. And and this whole DEI thing is, I mean, it's everywhere you look. I go into work. I'm elevator news, which is, you know, how I get most of my news. <laughs> and there it was. It was not only telling you what's happening, but also it was just a statement saying that DEI needing to be incorporated as a part of policy and the ethos of a business and not something to be applied, mm -hmm. but as like really in order to act it you need to think it and it needs to be in i'm like what what i feel like i'm in 1984 yeah. or something and i'm just being you got to take your oath broadcasted to my you know everywhere i look so you got to take your that's that's why you watch elevator news to be indoctrinated and getting hammered to counteract that's <laughs> that's why i'll play one more clip of joe biden standing in front of desantis both of them acting semi-adults what the governor's done is pretty remarkable so far and I got to imagine, of all the misspeaking that Biden does, that the left is like, really, man? You had to say that? No, they, they'd rather <laughs> they'd rather him say, where's Jackie, you know, than, than, than have him to say that. But again, you know, he's just saying what's on his mind. Oh, That's and what he, the president does. And we know about this later on, don't we? He, cert he certainly said what was on his mind later with a discussion with the local mayor. And we'll play that clip, possibly with some censoring. Right Not now. Sure. Thanks for everything. Thanks for coming down. We appreciate it. Uh, I picked the That's exactly right. That's exactly right. If you couldn't hear that, it's no one Fs with a Biden. The the funny the funny thing is it's it's not shocking, is it, anymore? Ever since it's a big effing deal. Right. With yeah, Obamacare. Yeah, yeah. So it's like just it goes with the territory with him. And at some point in time, he'll be like Joe Pesci and Goodfellas. Yeah. And it's going to be a this, well, a that. And, and everyone's going to be like, oh, yeah. Far so, be it from me to oh, object to the me, use of the F word because I'm not so good about that myself. However, it does annoy me that whenever Joe Biden says it, who's the actual president, everyone's like, oh, <laughs> that's a good laugh. Joe's crazy. Look at him go. Uh, he's unleashed. But when right-wingers say, let's oh. go, Brandon, that is, no. we that's all offensive. We no. all know what that's a euphemism for. And we are deeply, deeply concerned yeah. about the yeah. rhetoric yeah. in that yeah. case. Only, but jo only Joe does the effing, okay? <laughs> Nobody does it to him. Come on. So can we say that? I don't know. Okay. Yes, Jennifer says it's okay. Uh, we should be lucky. I mean, these hot mics, they can, you know, they've caught so much worse in general that we're lucky that that's all it caught. Really? I, I enjoy it. Yeah, like, like, let's let's let's, let's hear who you really are. All righty. Up next, we have oh, not not great news. Polling about the mental health crisis in America. An overwhelming majority of people in the United States think the country is experiencing a mental health crisis, according to a new survey from CNN in partnership with Kaiser. 
Nine out of 10 adults, nine out of 10, woo, said they believe that there's a mental health crisis in the U.S. today. Asked to rate the severity of six specific mental health concerns, Americans put the opioid epidemic near, epidemic near the top. It's both physical and mental, but mm-hmm. with more than two-thirds of people identifying it as a crisis rather than merely a problem, more than half identified mental health issues among children and teenagers as a crisis, as well as severe mental il- illness in adults. Is this a, a situation, by the way, where it's like, of course you think everyone else is crazy but you? Because I think everyone else is crazy but me. Okay. <laughs> I, w- I would say, you know, it's I have this tendency to look back on when I was younger and think that everybody was fine and suddenly now I look around and everybody's not and was it all going undiagnosed? Are people actually experiencing more pain now than they used to? And of course, the other thing is I can't help but think of the impact of the pandemic in in all of this to sort of compound the situation. For a lot of people, if they're not well, being told to stay indoors for two years is not good. No. And we talk about it so very sort of, I mean, you hear the experts and people talk about it blithely, like, oh, we know there's concerns, you know, about kids. We want to get back to school. But, it's but fairly, they sort of just say it matter of fact. It's fairly serious. It's, it's very point. serious. Yeah. And there's a, a term for it. And Charles Lehman, who's great about all these things and an expert on all these things, will talk about all these ancillary deaths, not directly from COVID, but rather because of the shutdown. And it's, it's a large number. And I, and I don't want to get anecdotal because, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, my experience is this, so therefore it must be true. But, you know, I mean, even my kids, you know, know kids who have, you know, some of them have severe anxiety issues yes. that manifest themselves uh, either through breathing difficulties and asthma or actually that it's something that's absolutely debilitating yeah. and they cannot function. And I really think it's a combination of being home, this remote learning, the masking in schools, all these things adding up. What do you think? Yeah, I, yes, I think we, I think we did people a deep, deep disservice. And I tried to write about it and say it throughout the pandemic in a, in a gentle way, because I think that you don't yell people out of their anxiety. But man, it was, it's been tough and remains tough not to take people by the lapels and be like, okay, man, (laughs) you got to live your life. You got to get out there. You got to go out there and do things because there is a, a vocal, if not large, because I do think it's a rather small but vocal and unfortunately influential yeah. segment that is very invested in this still being a giant, giant present crisis that you need to change your life in giant ways for. Mm-hmm. There are certain people for which they do need to make changes, and that is the way of life right. and that is the way of risk analysis. But largely, we can go about our business now, and I am afraid that we have handicapped people and that they are not able to go about their business at all, particularly young people who are, you know, trying to develop social skills and resilience and all these things through a pandemic where they were cut off from all of their, all of their resources for doing that. Yeah. The government policy until right around 2011, I think, was in the event of a pandemic, you know, those who are most exposed and vulnerable, the most vulnerable, so the immunocompromised and those with multiple comorbidities, for example, need to protect themselves and take precautions. But the rest of us should go about leading our lives and not shut down the economy and everything else that's associated, let alone the schools. And that changed. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that was a big, I think that was obviously a disastrous mistake. Yeah, not... So, Not smart. And they were just they were just saying, you know, Howard Stern just went back to restaurants for the first time in two years. I, I was shocked to hear that that was and, the first time he had been out. Yeah. 
I think the restaurants just also, came to his house. Things <laughs> like it must be said that things like alcoholism, overdoses, <laughs> opioid abuse, those were ignored aggressively while we did lockdowns and everyone ignored the or too many public health officials ignored the idea that you might be exacerbating these things so now we've got that problem which was already very very big before the pandemic Mm -hmm. compounded by the fact that it was ignored because only one threat could count during the pandemic you know who else is noticing this dr phil oh did a special called life after lockdown families in crisis and he talked a little bit about what this ended up doing to folks. Now, here to talk to me uh, about this is Dr. Pearson. She is a legal and organizational analyst who's been covering the pandemic unfolding. And that's a lot to cover. Dr. Pearson, what we just saw in those last 10 sections of the tape is the perfect example of the anger and frustration that children and teens were feeling and what parents were dealing with during this lockdown much of the time. Would you agree the frustration? It was a frustration about a lack of control, a lack of control over their circumstances and their ability to decide what they wanted to do because it was safer at home, so they say. Yeah, so they say. A lot of things were frustrating to me going into this, and that was, it seemed like the information that was being given out seemed to be changing daily contradictory oftentimes and not really based on scientific evidence why is that well there's a really straightforward answer to this and that is there was no plan followed they were responding in the moment but he's right he's right he's correct he's right so all right (laughs) okay (laughs) moving Moving on on. (laughs) Vic, we have to go to our elon musk segment it's been a while a recurring segment on the show, Elon Musk's Twitter fights. Well, first he got in a fight earlier this oh, week yeah. with Vladimir Zelensky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was, I, what a timeline to be living in, right? Yeah. Elon Musk suggested on Twitter, hey, here's some ways that maybe Ukraine and Russia could broker a peace and that fewer people could die and blah, blah, blah. And he, it and was he, a poll. He, yes. he, he posted a poll. And the poll was, you know, suppose you could bring an end to this war in Ukraine if under the following conditions, right? And it was that the people in these particular oblasts get to vote and decide for themselves if they want the Russians to stay or not. And and everyone freaked out, right? Yes. And look, I disagree with him, right? Like, I would like peace, but I also think that you can't broker peace this way because you must punish the aggressor. Like, there would be peace if Russia just went back to Russia. That's how that would work. So I think it's, you know, rewarding bad behavior to be giving them land and such. So I disagree with him. But I don't understand why everyone freaks out because he runs a poll about it. Could, couldn't, couldn't the people have just said, no, I disagree yeah. with the poll, and that'll be the answer? Say, okay, good to know. President Zelensky could have voted no. How, how do we know which side he was on when he posted the poll, yes or no? You know what I mean? This uh, is, that's a fair huh? point. Huh? That's a fair point. It was very um, elaborate, so I guess that's why we think that. That's a fair point. Zelensky said he posted his own poll. He said, which Elon Musk do you like? The one that's pro-Russia or the one that's pro-freedom or what, guess, it, what was Ukraine, it? I don't but, you know, like the guys, the guys put not a small amount of capital into helping yes. Ukraine. So yes, I feel but, like I feel like maybe like maybe a little leeway for right. a tweet or two is OK. Satellite access in order yes. to enable Internet 
and things of that nature for the Ukrainian people. He's provided all yeah. that. So he's not exactly, you know, a bystander. One Twitter poll wipes it out. That's it. But I would like to say, just as a general reminder, we tend to put all these people on pedestals, you know, and they are they're human and they might be amazing in some aspects. Obviously, Elon Musk is a genius. But, you know. Charles Lindbergh, you know, was an amazing aviator. Yes. You do not want him to be a Secretary of State. It would have been <laughs> awful. You do not want... Don't ask Charles Lindbergh what he thinks about Germany, you know? So, I mean, everyone has certain strengths and certain weaknesses. So I don't know what's going on, but Elon's just throwing it out there. But clearly, his suggestion, if we are to assume that he's on the side of, hey, why don't we have peace by letting these people decide? There's a couple of issues I have with yes, it. Yeah. Okay, one is... It doesn't take into account the amount of damage, destruction, and both to the economy, the infrastructure, and to the people themselves inflicted by Russia. Right. The killings, the tortures, the rapes, everything else. It really doesn't address that aspect of war damages. Okay, that's the first part. And and if you were to hold them accountable for it, it, it would you know, it would be immense the amount of money that Russia would owe in damages to the Ukrainian people. The second thing is. Crimea does not seem to be a factor in the... I think it's a given for Elon that Crimea remains in Russia's control. And then the third thing is taking a vote in these oblasts, right? Kherson, right. Zaporizhia, and, and, and wherever else. I mean, you're just showing off by saying... I do. I want to say well Zaporizhia and... I'm just escaping my name, the other ones. But in, in any event, it's unclear to me who are living in those oblasts right now, right? Because it could be all Russians moved in. The right. Ukrainians are moved out. They move the Russians in. Just as a simple, my foreign policy, put my foreign policy hat on, which I used to be. I know, be good at this. I know. When, when the Turks invaded Northern Cyprus, one of the things that, in 1974, one of the things they did was just move in a ton of Anatolian Turks right, right. into that area. They're like, oh, let's ask them. Look, what it's, they, very, let's, it's very Turkish let's, here. Let's, let's do a referendum. Oh, they all, they all, they all, they all want Would to be part of Turkey. Would you look at that? Yeah, look at that. So issues with it? Yes. Weird. But that was just one aspect of it. What are your, oh, yeah. what well, are your thoughts? Yeah. So I, I just think, like, let the guy run a Twitter poll. You know, like I said, I'm not sure it cancels out the Starlink that yeah. you run a Twitter poll that people think is problematic. Okay. Then we got him buying Twitter again. Yes. What We're happened? We're back on here? track. This is a... It's, I mean, it keeps going and it's going. It's a 180? I, I said, it's a 180. I said, yeah. I said, okay, Sam and Diane, about these I two. you say that, yeah. Like, it's a good Cheers what? reference for, <laughs> for the old people, for the, for the old For the very old people. Yeah. Oh, representatives <laughs> of, this is the Wall Street Journal, representatives of Elon Musk and Twitter are still grappling with terms of an agreement that would enable his purchase of the social media company to proceed, continuing a month-long drama. We're at like five or six months now, surrounding the fate of the blockbuster deal. This deal is like almost as old as my child at this point. The discussions of the latest of the two sides have held as a courtroom clash draws nearer. They quietly held unsuccessful talks about a possible cut to the price of $44 billion for the social media platform before Mr. Musk reversed course Monday and said he would return to the original agreement's terms. People familiar with the matter said. So this is ongoing... There is a court battle, but the I think what's more illustrative than anything is the continued media freakout about the idea that he might actually yeah. buy the thing. Well, I think so, people felt the same way about Jeff Bezos, right? Right. No. No. <laughs> yeah, we, much, we heard so slightly. much. We heard so much complaining about that. Mm. He was a savior. Bezos was a savior. Yes, he swooped in to yeah. save media. There was one t one tweet that was like, "I've heard 
every employee at Twitter I've heard from in the last six that's months right. says they'll leave if, that's Ma- right. if Musk takes over. It's like, yeah. that was okay. That was Kevin Roos of the New York Times who had said virtually every Twitter employee I've spoken to in the last six months has told me that he or she plans to leave if Mr. Musk takes over, which to be, it, it, it's redolent of Pauline Kael, yes. you know, saying, oh, everyone I knew voted for George McGovern. I don't understand how Nixon won. Yeah, if you only know Twitter employees, right. it sort of, sort of has, falls out that way. Ben Collins of NBC News had a very telling tweet. If Musk is really taking this site private, there are no real guardrails anymore. Rulemaking can be capricious. He can elevate any idea or person he wants through recommendations and user as, as a user interface choices. Yeah. And there will be no oversight on this as a private company. Ben, we're there already. Can't have you it. have you been on Twitter before? Yeah. That's what's happening. Yeah. yeah. And here's the thing: is that I actually don't. In I don't know, because it hasn't happened. But in the event that Musk actually took over, I do not think that he is anxious to muzzle his critics. That'll be the whole point. It'll I be think his what, point is demonstrating that. What Ben here is concerned about is that the critics will not be muzzled. That's the threat. Not that Ben will be muzzled. The threat is that we will not be. That's right, because they're used to having, they want, they like having these guardrails, these controls, censorship of one side of an argument. And this is, this is coming up with climate change, right? They're trying to push this in the European Union where they want to control disinformation and the same thing they want to have applied to social media in the United States. But of course, we know that our health experts, for example, when it came to things like COVID, said one thing was wrong and then later on admits that it could be right, that COVID may have come from a lab in China or that myocarditis, for example, is not an issue. Disinformation with, is real, and then real they slippery. Change. It's, it's real very slippery. slippery. I will say that Roos in the Times also said that Elon probably wouldn't mind if thousands of Twitter employees, you know, show themselves the door, as he yep. says, quote. But I'm going to say this. Thousands? In this economy, are, they, are there that many people who say, I'm just going to quit? I don't know. Can't they just wait wait and see? Well, Like, oh, and if, if and they'll say, okay, now I've had enough and then leave? Or, you know, are they really know, just out of principle? Maybe they need, to start they, their, they need to start their resistance commentary careers. They resisted Elon oh, Musk. Gosh. The first but, one out the door. You got to be quick because if you're, if you're like after like the first several hundred, no one's going to care. You'll never believe it, though. Ben Collins is concerned that this kind of change could affect elections by affecting the the public discourse. Really? Hunter Biden would like a word. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. The New York Post would like a word. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, the laptop would like. All right. Up next, we have briefly what what may become a recurring segment, which Mm -hmm. is political violence that doesn't matter. Mm. A little update on some some old political violence that didn't really matter. A St. Louis man is convicted two years later in David Dorn's murder. You may remember this is the retired policeman who was killed in 2020 during BLM, well, the riots attendant to that movement. Stephen Cannon, 26, was sentenced to life in prison without parole for the murder of the former St. Louis police captain David Dorn, a black man, we should note, considering the subject of all the, the outcry. After a Missouri jury convicted him in July, according to reports, Cannon was convicted of shooting and killing Dorn during a night of looting and rioting in June 2020 in the wake of the death of George Floyd in Minnesota. Dorn was 77. He was responding to a burglary alarm at a friend's pawn shop when he encountered a group of looters. He was struck four times and died from his injuries. We, The world does not know his name yeah, because his death was not deemed as important as others. Mm-hmm. It did not fit the narrative. And there's a couple stories like that from 
the past couple Probably of weeks. Probably more than a couple, yeah. Yeah, this is from late September. Two volunteers of Texans for a Greg Abbott attacked while knocking on doors in Houston. A man attacked two Texans for Greg Abbott volunteers while they were knocking on doors in a neighborhood. The incident happened Saturday, September 24th, according to, the Abbott, to an Abbott press release. The suspect chased two volunteers through the neighborhood and attempted to drag them out of their car. The suspect also punched both side view mirrors off the vehicle. So, yeah. There was I, a pro-life activist who was uh, uh, yes. an older woman, right? Yes. Michigan authorities, ha- authorities have filed criminal charges against a man accused of shooting an elderly woman. Campaigning against abortion rights in the shoulder while she was while she argued with his wife last week. Richard Allen Harvey, 74, had publicly claimed it was an accident when he shot the 84-year-old woman. But prosecutors from Iona County, Michigan, are charged him on Friday with one count each of assault with a felonious, of a felonious assault, careless discharge of a gun causing injury, and reckless use of a firearm in case, in a case that appears to serve as an extreme example of how heated the debate around abortion in the U.S. can become. So. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and, and, and on top of that, of course, was the, the poor kid in North Dakota who was run over by the car. Oh, yeah. No, uh, that's, who's still not a household name. No. And and has there been any and it's hard to find, you know, updates on, you know, the nature of the argument, anything about the kid. Well, well and he's this not is, a kid. I think he was 18. But still, this is the the lesson of all of this is is not that there is not a political violence issue. Right. On both sides. It often happens on both sides mm-hmm. more often mm-hmm. than we would like i like to reserve judgment until i know more about each situation yeah. to know whether it was politically motivated in the case of this poor north dakota teen it seems very clearly politically motivated and he confessed to it being such but when it does not fit the overarching narrative that the media prefers which is that only the left is subject to this kind of political violence from the right it just gets disappeared. And if you disappear yep. every piece of evidence that the other side does it, then in fact it does look like only one side does it. Yeah. But it's not true. It's but not true. It, it, it's, it's, it's hard to resist that temptation to control the narrative if you feel very strongly about one side being right and the other side being wrong, then you're going, your tendency is going to downplay that other side. It, it, as much as it, social media drives me nuts, without it, you wouldn't hear that other side right now. Right. Yeah. Also, Ron Johnson in Wisconsin is running against Mandela Barnes, who is a pretty far left guy. And Barnes had tweeted back in 2017 after Steve Scalise was shot. Mm-hmm. Something pretty, pretty disrespectful, I would say. He tweeted about Scalise's injury, who was almost burnt, murdered in this 2017 congressional baseball shooting for his beliefs, mm-hmm. political shooting. Barnes says, I question how people vote against self-interest but this is next level he literally almost died on this hill yeah it's like (sighs) there are a number of candidates by the way out there and they're being dinged for it and it will be very interesting in a month's time right as of october 7 november 7 uh, it will be very interesting to see how effective and if that resonates with the public if the public is finally saying enough is enough when it comes to rising crime and everything else fetterman's another one by example, for, okay. for example, he served as head of the, the, the you know, that parole board and, and wanting to let people out and reducing the prison population is not a good time to have that. Look, by the way, just on a side note, you know, I get all these emails from the various campaigns for fundraising donations and things. And I got one the other day from the Fetterman campaign. Okay. And so it's from John Fetterman. And the sub- their, t- their targeting is off. Their, yes, a little, slightly. And the subject line was, Words fail me right now in describing, like, I can't even describe to you this ad, he said. And what it was, like, words cannot describe. And I'm like, 
whoever's running comms at Fetterman saying that words cannot describe is that's like or that words don't fail do him, it. It's it's not a good look yeah. right now. It's not. It's, it's Speaking not of playing look. into the narrative, yeah. All right, we're gonna end on a happy. Oh, let's note. end on a happy note. Come on. There are adult it's literally ha- adult Happy Meals at McDonald's. Yes. How do we feel about this? Weird. <laughs> I finally saw a commercial for it last night. It looked trippy, okay. but I guess because they have teamed up with a um, a clothing store company. Well, yes, it says that you can revisit the feeling of getting a Happy Meal now as an adult. Today, mm-hmm. it was as, as earlier this week, McDonald's announced a new menu item, Happy Meal for Adults. Okay, so it's not technically called an adult Happy Meal, but it is absolutely an adult Happy Meal. It has a toy and everything. Yes. <laughs> McD's partnered with the streetwear brand called Cactus Plant Flea Market. That's it. So confusing. To drop the Cactus Plant Flea Market box, and it has throwback figures in it. So Grimace, Hamburglar, and then I don't know Birdie and Cactus Buddy, but I, I want to get my hands. Does Birdie really count? And I, some people like that they added her at the end because of the Chicken McNuggets, but I never yeah. thought of her as being a part of the, quote, original cast. No, I, okay. I think Grimace and Hamburglar are the two OGs yeah, here. really. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, you can get a Big Mac or 10-piece ten, ten nuggets, fries, and a drink. Yes. I'm surprised I haven't gotten one yet. Well, frankly. okay. Okay. So why is it freaking you out? Oh, which is the commercial itself looked trippy. But I mean, I'm not surprised by it. it it's this sort of the the infantilizing of a generation. It's not just nostalgia, but it, it's sort of the feeling of, oh, I want to be a kid again. This, by the way, translates. When I wrote my vodka book, that I can't remember if I've talked about this 10 times already, but I probably have on the show. There's certain appeal to vodka flavors that are like ice cream cake, birthday cake. birthday cake, cake yeah. You know, well, what, you know, so I mean, it's not only... Funfetti. Yes, yes, Funfetti. You're not, you're tra- particularly Pinnacle Vodka brand, by the way. And then you're translating, you know, not just food into drink, but also children's food into drink. And people like that. They're, they, they're yeah. not making it if nobody's buying it. Yeah. So, so I'm not surprised. I, I would say I, I would have liked if they threw in something from my time, like... French fries cooked in beef tallow. Yeah, that's what we right? need. A deep fried apple pie. Would you, you? So you would get this? I mean, I would get it. I, I do have a little bit of misgiving about the infantilization of everyone. Yeah. However, am I here for a Hamburglar? Yes, I'm here for a Hamburglar. I got You're there for the toy. I am. Because if you look at the burger, I mean, it's obvious, not a great burger. I'm, I'm gonna obviously going to eat McDonald's burgers. Yeah, That's yeah, not yeah. a question. This is just a bonus. M- McDonald's is like this giant sodium bomb. Because if you ever look at the patty itself, <laughs> it's not a great looking patty. There are other. The thing is, today in the world we live in, for all the many problems in this world, we have a better selection of better quality hamburgers now than we did back then. And yes, it costs more like a Shack burger from Shake Shack will cost more. But here's what's interesting. I did a little cost inflation adjustment here. Okay. Very modestly speaking, if you were to get just a Shack Burger single, it comes to about $6, which I'm surprised I thought it was going to be more. So $6. If it was 1985, it would come to about $2. I think that's pretty reasonable for a good burger. But yeah. you didn't have that selection of good burgers at the time. The other thought was uh, the, the, the Happy Meal toy, it used to be a top. It was a plastic yellow top, and then they started getting fancy, but it used to be yellow top. And so if you had a choice right now, you would take the Hamburglar? I think so, yes. I would take Grimace. All right. I think Grimace was the milkshake, patron of the milkshake. But we don't know what Grimace is, do we? I think the, if I remember correctly, Grimace is supposed to be a taste bud. Really? I think that's the idea. Yeah. I, th- I think. Am I, th- I making that up? Is that an urban legend? I don't I, know. I think Grimace goes by the pronoun they. 
I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, okay. but he ain't, he I'm not seem, sure. I'm he not sure. seems not he binary. Could be, yeah. He could be anything. Okay. Yeah. We love Grimace. Okay. Any, okay. I'll try it. Is it going to make me happy? I don't know. Yeah, I know. I try. Look, McDonald's already makes yeah, me happy. If I, just, yeah, I might as you know well what? get a bonus. Let me, let me check my A1C. And then I'll decide <laughs> whether or not I'll whether we're get do this. it. Got it. <laughs> and by the way, listeners, it came to my mind already because it was dragging me nuts during this taping. The other Donetsk and Luhansk. Okay. Those are the other Oblast. There Thank you go. You. And as you know, look, Jennifer and, and Mary Catherine here, I did not cheat. I didn't have my phone out. It just came to me. So He's you, killing it over You here. don't have. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm firing on all four cylinders. That wraps up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I am at MK Hammer on Twitter, MK Hammer on MK Hammer Time on Instagram. I can't speak English today. It's fine. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at hammered at nebulouspodcasts.com, and we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for being with us today. Enjoy your grimace. 